Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the DC Sports Brain Trust. My name is Varun. I'm your host and moderator, joined, as always, by three of my good friends and the best damn sports analysts around, Chris, Nick, and Rahul. Gentlemen, you feeling good today? I'm still buzzing off this high. Yeah? Off no, this good. win. The, the Nationals lost. Oh, right, yeah. Unfortunately, the only, the only relevant Washington, D.C. sports team that played today uh, took what, an what? L. Well, well, no, well, well, no, that's not true. United? Well, no, well, no, that's not Did true. Did the DC United play today? Uh, fuck, dude, I don't even know when soccer starts. <laughs> well, Chris, that's not true because the Ravens crushed the Browns. Yeah, but they're not a DC sport. That's Baltimore, dude. Oh, DC United played yesterday. They lost. Who cares? Well, uh, well, cares well regardless, we're going to just jump, jump right in and talk about the Washington TBDs who – Despite all expectations and despite everything going against them, pulled out a dub against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, from my perspective, and I'm excited to hear Nick and Rahul, your guys is like uh, much more wow. deep dive analysis. Yep. I mean, I mean, I mean, when I want to talk about the Ravens game, I'll come to you, sir. <laughs> I mean, Chris caught the game too. He said he was watching. I did. I watched both. I watched the Reds. I had the. Uh... Washington football team game Canceled. on sure. along with the Ravens game. All right. Well, I I, I right. was watching one of the TV and one of my laptop, dude. All right. You know what? Now I'm excited for none of your all's perspectives. That's, that's <laughs> just, just for Rude's perspective. <laughs> it's just going to be for Rude talking to himself the whole time. Um. Okay, but okay, but getting down to brass tacks. Uh, I I thought the the game was it was a, it was a very solid game. Um, the first half was typical. DC football, but then the second half, I think maybe maybe Rivera, you know, while he was getting an IV, had a speech or something, or maybe Del Rio said something. Uh, but basically, they came back swinging in the second, or rather, hard hitting in the second half. Um, the defense really, really stepped up, like more so than I expect. They looked like a top top five defense, easy. Eight, what was it? Eight sacks on uh, on Carson Wentz. That's very impressive number. See. Um, and you know the offense. You know, you know Haskins. You know he 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 looked pretty mid in the first half, but like the second half, he he was improved. I think I saw a little bit of improvement. Um, and ultimately, like you know, if the if the Washington football team continues to play like this, like you know, I can see them rack up more than you know the wins we predicted the uh, last week, which was any ranged anywhere from zero to three. So yeah, not yeah. going to be a winless team this year. No, nope, it's going to be one of fifteen, and and for all we know, this is going to remain the name of the team. It's just going to be Washington Football Team. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's but let, let's let's dive in a little bit. Let's talk about some of the a uh, little bit deeper aspects of the game. Um, let's start start with the biggest the biggest name currently, Chase Young. Um, how do you guys think he looked today? As advertised. As advertised. As advertised. I mean, the guy was a monster. One and a half sacks, four tackles. He was all over the place. He was a good run stopper. He was causing pressure in the backfield. He had a strip sack and a sack. Um, what more do you want from him? The guy was phenomenal, but he wasn't even the best player on defense today. So we'll talk more about that. But Chase Young was awesome. No complaints, yeah. yeah so, yeah, with Chase Young, I think there was – 
when he got his first sack, he was actually chipped by the running back and held by Jason Peters, and he spun around the running back, like, through the chip and got the sack after, like, struggling with Carson Wentz for a bit and with the strip sack, too. So that, I thought, was kind of amazing. Um, he really gave Peters fits the whole game. And that was incredible from Jace Young. And just like the rest of the edge guys, too, like Montez Sweat had a huge sack um, on a pretty critical down. Um, not an edge guy, but John Bostick with the blitz uh, was pretty crucial because that's when the Eagles were driving on us. And they did a really good job altogether, the edge rushing unit, of course. Um, and I really didn't see Ryan Anderson there or really noticed him at all. Uh, but the other ones, Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan especially, and Chase Young, they were fantastic. Kerrigan had two sacks. Um, became the I thought he had three. Two. He had two. I think he was uh, – he may have had one and two half sacks. I'm not quite sure. But uh, okay. That's he uh, became the franchise's le- leader in sacks all time. Passing Without looking it up, who is it? Oh, Dexter Manley. Okay, it Dexter got it. Manley. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Kerrigan is awesome, and last year was a complete farce because of just everything blowing up in their face with all the shit Bruce Allen had done, just biting them in the ass. I think everybody mm-hmm. sucked last year, and yeah, I don't know. Honestly, like watching that game. I don't know. Maybe if it was it was because the Eagles have a solid amount of injuries, or the Eagles aren't as good of a team as some other teams in the NFL. But that's like the strongest front seven I've seen from the the Washington football team in a pretty long time. Like the first quarter or two, like they had some warming up to do. I'm sure you all can agree to that. But after they during that second half, they were pretty pretty nasty. Like I was thoroughly impressed. It was um, just nonstop on defense. Yeah, you were swarming Carson. Yeah, they could not do anything. And one of the yeah. first matchups we've had against Carson Wentz, I vividly remember him just like evading sacks, like just jumping out of pressure. We had Matt Ioannidis on him, John Allen him, and he was just like running through everything. And like, so I kind of held my breath whenever he got like hit by one of our guys, and then he actually went down. I was just like, wow, this is like an amazing performance that we haven't had with our former coaches like Minuski mm-hmm. or Barry or fuck. There's so many Hazlitt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when they were only blitzing like three or four guys, they were still getting pressure. That was the most uh, impressive thing to me. Like Carson Wentz was getting hit like every play almost. It seemed like. Yeah. And what I noticed with some of the three man and four man pressures, even when they weren't actually like pressuring him, he still felt like he had to leave the pocket yeah. a lot earlier than he w- did because he felt like it was going to come. Yeah. And that was like something that like that kind of presence that Chase Young, Montez Wood and Ryan Kerrigan give you is that, oh, shit, it's like I, I think I'm holding on to the ball too long. I got to move out. I got to roll out and see if I can make a play here, even when they're not even close. And obviously, like. The secondary, we all know, uh, <laughs> has a, li- a little bit to be desired, but it makes it easier on those guys to. Uh, they don't have to cover their man as, as long. Well, well, they they had a bunch. The the football team had a bunch of new guys on the secondary, right? Like Troy Apke and uh, a couple other guys. Or am I being mistaken here? Like, weren't they? Isn't the secondary relatively newish, and therefore yeah, maybe they I struggle with say... like inexperience? 
I would say actually no. Um, there is two stars on like Troy Apke has been with the team for a while. Okay, has taken some snaps, but he's this is like his first like here. You are going to be the starter at free. So so like, so so, so, I, so I guess new in the sense that like this is their first time getting like a start. Like Apke was, it seems like he's like a practice squad mainstay, but this was his first time like really getting out in the field and into an actual game. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Like special teams mainstay. He's been buried in the depth chart yeah. for years. Got yeah, it. and the Ronald Jeremy. Jeremy definitely got his first start yeah. on in Burgundy because this is his first year. Yeah, Fa- Fa- Fabian Moreau also did pretty well as well. As and also proud James Madison University alumni, the Jimmy Moreland as well with a not just not just Jimmy Moreland, Jimmy fucking Moreland, Jimmy fucking Moreland, Jimmy JFM, Moreland baby. University, Jimmy Moreland University. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Wait, he almost took that to the house. That oh, interception. I really he thought he was did. going to. From what how I was watching on the TV, I was like, "Oh shit, he's going." Whoever that wide receiver was just barely tripped them up. You know, I think it was years, Hightower, Tim Hightower, Rahul or something. I, I think you're right. For yeah. years, Rahul and I have been saying that Fabian Moreau needs to be on the outside. Like we plugged him on the inside in Greg Minuski's defense, and he was never right. And he always showed some more flash on the outside. And of course, like today, you know, he just looks phenomenal. And frankly, that interception, I think, was what kickstarted just the whole change of pace. Mm-hmm. And really, the momentum shifted on that Fabian Rowe pick. It really did. Mm-hmm. It just, it, you, you, you felt, it felt like, honestly, just the fact that they held the, the Eagle scoreless on their first drive after, after the half, like, it it you could like like you guys said it, it, there's you could feel like a, a a momentum shift perhaps like any mental blocks that that the team had were were over like they overcame those mental blocks and like they started they were playing more physically they were much more hard hitting they were you know making plays they were doing they were getting on their assignments and you know the team started to gel and come together uh, for sure, at least on at least on defense, for sure. Offense, I you know the offense, I still like you know despite the fact that they really came together the second half. Excuse me, I still feel like they it does have a lot left to be desired, um, particularly with Dwayne Haskins. So Haskins finished seventeen of thirty one for one hundred seventy eight yards and a, and and one touchdown pass, but no picks, which is really good. You you don't want to see Haskins throwing picks or any quarterback for that matter, um, yeah. but. You know, I still feel like, you know, Haskins has a lot of work to do. And, you know, maybe was just a, maybe his come up from last year to this year hasn't been as – it hasn't met the expectations that I think a lot of the fans want it to meet. But I also feel like that this win really helps propel a, you know, general – feeling in the locker room hopefully that is not that is you know now it's free of bruce allen's stink and you know hopefully snyder's on his way out um but you could really (laughs) hope keyword there hopefully um you 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 still felt like and even the i don't know if you all saw the video that i texted in the group chat but there's a video of rivera speaking in the locker room and just i was watching that video and you know, it felt very, it felt very freeing in a sense because the the type of conversation he was going with, the type of speech he was giving, the type of the way he was conversing with the players, felt like something that Jay that you know Jay Gruden didn't do, that like none of that like none of the coaches preceding 
uh, Riverboat Ron really did. And, you know, you feel, I felt like perhaps, you know, everyone emphasizes the culture and, you know, Ron's, Ron's, Ron Rivera is now, is really getting into the role of, of, of head coach, of mentor, of guy who's making sure that the team is going to head in the direction of being more disciplined, being more confident in themselves and just, you know, trying to build upon their strengths and try to tear down their own weaknesses. Well, said, yeah, Varun. like well said. going more on that Vroon and like how the culture is kind of changing. Um, I was talking to my, my dad, uncle and cousin before I hopped onto the podcast earlier today. And there, there was two plays that they kind of said, and I agreed that was a kind of like a past previous DC football team uh, teams would have, I think, screwed up on or wouldn't pull the trigger on. One of them being that fourth down, fourth and like one from like a three yard line where they went for it. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I know you're talking. Like about. calling that and going for it and getting it, and then ending up with a touchdown instead of a field goal. That was one play that I don't think you would have seen um, in previous head coach regimes, if you will. No, and it's, the other being no, for, that. For sure. Yeah, and the other being that fourth down, fourth and four stop that they had um, towards the end of the game with like eight minutes to go, where they stonewalled the the Eagles at that point. That was another one that I think previous Redskins would have screwed the pooch on that one and uh, mm-hmm. given that up, and the the castle would have came crumbling down. Well, so that's the Jake Gruden era, we only won one opener. <laughs> And that was against uh, the Cardinals, who we are facing next week, actually. Uh, but yeah, the Cardinals are in a close game against the Niners right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's all right. Let me all right. Let me. Well, actually, no, Nick. You we haven't heard from you a little bit. Let Let me get your thoughts on this before I jump into a little more detail about the offense. Yeah, well, I wanted to. Uh, you you mentioned the offense, and I wanted to talk about that real quick. Oh, uh, before we talk about the offense, I just had like a note on the defense. Um. There was a player that I was, like, super down on that we drafted, and he actually, like, played pretty goddamn well. Are you talking, about, covered... you're talking about Curl? Yeah, Cameron yeah. Curl. Um, he actually covered Ertz and Goddard pretty goddamn well. I was surprised. I was just like, holy shit, who too. is this player? It's like, he's our rookie. Well, it, yeah, he it, went out there and balled. He, yeah, that was yeah. shocking. Well, I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. He, I thought he'd be too slow to cover him, but he was fine. He held out. It, it, it could it could have been one of those things where it's like perhaps, you know, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, is that, well, you know, he's in, he's in practice. Maybe he doesn't look that impressive, but I, I get that practice makes perfect. But, like, once he put – once you put him into the into an actual game, and even going against a guy like Zach Ertz, who's who's a who's a top three tight end in the in the league, top four tight end, um, you you know the pressure is so high and the expectations are you know through the roof. So maybe Cameron Curl perhaps got that into him and like you know used that kind of chip on his shoulder to really drive him to perform as well as he did. Regarding uh, training camp, just really quick, um, he uh, and Troy Apke actually played well enough to beat out Sean Davis, who uh, we did sign for some like million dollar guaranteed contract for a year, uh, and he he went back to the Steelers. But basically, he, Troy Apke and Sean Davis beat out someone who was supposed to start over both of them. 
Um, yeah. So I think he has turned some heads in training camp, and some of that work and effort he put in training camp showed up on the field when he's able to cover these massive tight ends that he really shouldn't have any business covering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess just to wrap it up on defense, uh, the interior played well too. Uh, Payne had a sack, Allen had a half sack, and Ioannidis had a sack. Like they, Ioannidis all- had one and a half sacks. Did he? Mm-hmm. I'm, wow. I'm on. I'm, I'm, re- I'm on the. I'm on the athletic recap right now, just reading through it. Um, one one thing that actually kind of surprised me, and I'll, I'll read this right now. Uh, since Rivera was receiving an, the IV at halftime, uh, Haskins delivered the halftime speech. And it's yeah, he said he was talking about how we, the WFT shouldn't be the little brother yeah, to the Eagles anymore. Exactly, exactly. And like you know, maybe and you know, I think the, the stuff like this, you know, wait, maybe while Haskins is still still incrementally trying to get better on the field, stuff like this really instills confidence in the team. In that you know, your 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 general who is in his second year has coming along very coming along very well like mentally and being focused on the game and trying to corral the team around him because I mean like all I mean like the best things about all the goat quarterbacks you know guys like Peyton Manning guys like Drew Brees guys like Tom Brady guys like Aaron Rodgers is that they're 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 generals in that sense and I mean Haskins yeah obviously has a long way to go but stuff like this really goes a long way you make a good yeah, point there with uh, there Peyton was... oh, sorry Chris you can go <laughs> I just I wanted to just add this real quick. There was one uh, point in the game I forget exactly when it was, but it was I think it was like sometime in the fourth quarter, um, where they did show a shot of Dwayne Haskins like telling the defensive line that thanks for doing your job. Now let me let us do ours. Well, we've got your back. We'll finish this game off for you, which is also another like leader aspect that kind of goes hand in hand with what Varun said. So that's all I wanted to bring up as well. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Rule. Sorry yeah, no, for cutting you off. That's also a good point. But going back to what you said, Varun, about Payne Manning being, being like that general kind of thing, how do you think Payne Manning kept up that general like appearance when he was having that awful season where he was like playing the worst he's ever had like during his last year in the NFL? And the defense was basically pulling through every game. Um, and that's kind of like he, Dwayne Haskins isn't playing that terribly, but he definitely is the defense show. Well, right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But I, I. Okay. I think. I think maybe. Maybe me saying Peyton was a bad comparison because Peyton Manning is literally in a almost in a league of his own when it comes to just all time great quarterbacks. But I think that you know when you know when he was playing really crappy in Denver, uh, probably what kept the team going was just the fact that it's 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 Peyton Manning. Like, yeah. like, like you see guys, okay, granted, this is probably a bad example with the Bucks, but you know, a lot of these, a lot of the Bucks guys, the newer guys are, oh my God, we have Tom Brady as our quarterback. He's a legend and you know, he's a legend of the game. And that's probably the same mentality that a lot of the Broncos players had when Peyton came to the team. It's like, oh my God, it's Peyton Manning. Um, and I, and I think while they real and you know, Peyton was, how old was he when he got, when he went to the Broncos, like 35? No, he was like 37. 37. 37. Okay, so basically Real. so basically he's on he was on his last legs anyway when he when he went to Denver and I think the team probably understood that while Peyton Manning was not the Peyton Manning that that won a Super Bowl in Indianapolis, he was still Peyton Manning and he still had a lot of advice to give. He still had a lot of, you know, lee, you know, a lot of a lot of, you know, a lot of 
I, I don't know how to say this. A lot of resources he to was provide. Peyton got- Manning. Yes, yeah, thank you. And he, he honestly, was, when he did go to the Broncos, he did have a few years where he was still playing lights out. One of the years that they were pressuring up into the playoffs, and then just that last year, I mean, just, yeah, like, but you know, you know, the, the man still got paid. He just like, yeah, he, yeah. The last season, he was just that. That was really the only season that he was downright terrible too. Yeah, that's in, true. In that entire contract, yeah, it was pretty, like we remember that year because that was the last one, and it's been the most recent. That's the year they won the Super Bowl. But like other than that, like he was really good most of his career there, and pretty much was as as advertised, like, as expected. Yeah, two rings with two different um, teams. Yeah, it's great. But it's, yeah, it's it's hard because like he's Peyton Manning versus Dwayne Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins. Haskins. Yeah, it's, there's, yeah. No, there's no it there's no there's no conversation. The clout, doesn't have the name. Yeah. same like skill. He's probably never gonna be as good as Peyton Manning. Um. Well, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. Still, he doesn't need to be the next Peyton Manning. He's got to be. Yeah. He's got to be. The, he's got to be the first Dwayne Haskins in that he's got yeah. to you know branch out. He's got to be his own man, and he has to uh, lead you know whichever team he's on. Hopefully, he stay you know mm-hmm. continuing this you know path of improvement. He stays uh, with the Washington Football Team, and he ultimately has to carve out a path for his own. I mean, you have again might not be the greatest example, but you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes who is now going to be the staple of the Kansas City Chiefs for, you know, the next 10 or so years. And, you know, I think Haskins has the potential to get to that level, but, you know, he still has to continue putting in the work. He still has to continue making plays. He has to play better than how he played today. Um, And ultimately the success will come. He, he, he He has to chase the success and everything will follow. If, Nick, what do you uh, think I, of uh, Dwayne's performance in well, light of that? To, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I'm not – you know, Dwayne did not go out there and sling it. He did not have any wow moments, and he wasn't really impressive. But I'm not going to hold that against him right now. I think they did just what they needed to do to go out and get a win. And I kind of want to give a shout out to Scott Turner because I, I was actually a fan of the play calling today. Um, they didn't do anything fancy. You know, they went out there and in goal line situations, they gave the ball to Peyton Barber and he scored two touchdowns. He also got some first downs in critical spots. Gibson showed some flashes. Um, but, you know, Gibson didn't quite have the day that I was hoping he would have. So my hope is that Gibson will show off a little bit more. Uh, in the next few weeks. But in terms of Haskins, you know, they didn't do anything too crazy. I think they kept the training wheels on him a little bit, and I think that might have been done on purpose. Um, so I, I think Scott Turner did a good job today, but in situations where the defense is not going to be able to handle an offense as well as they did today, you're going to be looked, you're going to have to be looked at to score more points, and Haskins will have to be looked at to to make a few more wow plays and to really take control. And so that's something that we will have to see down the road at some point, but mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm not going to hold today's performance against him because I think ultimately they did what they had to do. I think because I mean, Dwayne Haskins, let's be honest, doesn't have a lot of weapons um, outside of maybe McLaurin, but if this, t- I think, if the defense plays as well as they they played today, the rest of the way, and we're still shooting for that six and ten best case scenario kind of goal, 
I think if they do that and they put up only like 20, 24 points a game, that's that's a very, very, very doable goal um, yeah. that I, I think will happen, if assuming that the defense continues to show up like they did today. Yeah, and the defense... And 20, 20 24 points I think is... is doable for a team like yeah, this. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a very Especially reasonable a division, expectation. A shaky division like the with a shaky division with the uh the Eagles, Cowboys and and uh Giants who those three teams obviously aren't good that great themselves. It's it's very doable, I think. Very optimistic for a 6 and 10 year sure. when they went. You know. well, yeah. I think the, the big thing about today was that we didn't maybe we don't know exactly what the team's going to look like this year, but I do think we did see a we do see a pathway to winning. Yeah, much more than we thought we did, uh, and it's similar to the way they won two years ago. The way they started out six and three, playing really good defense and just managing on offense, not turning the ball over, scoring twenty to twenty seven points a game, and doing just enough to win. That is something that they could do in the regular season and win 10 games if the, if the defense is really up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, you're going to have to have your offense step up. Eventually. Well, I, yeah, I, I still, I don't, I still don't see them making the playoffs. I think that's yeah. a bit of a reach. Yeah, that's uh, especially, if, especially if they, when they start playing better teams, like, I mean, <laughs> we can say like what this, the saints, if they, I don't, I don't, or the Ravens. I know they play the Ravens this year. Oh, that's going to be like, ugly. So, well, okay, yeah. but next I, week the Cardinals are going to be a good challenge. I mean, the 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 Reds, the Washington football team probably isn't going to score much against the the Ravens, but that'll be an interesting test to see exactly what sort of defense this is against the offense. Even the Cardinals, yeah, like you said, that'll be an interesting test if they succeed in that. When they go up against the Ravens, that'll be pretty much the benchmark of, hey, what what kind of defense do we have? Because there's not really better offenses than the Ravens right now. What? what yeah. What and do you? With the, oh, no, Rahul, you got it. Sorry. No, no Rahul, Okay, yeah. so I was just going back to the uh, path of winning. Um, what also helps with not only the defense, um, but having the ability to maintain, like when you're punting it being able to stay in great field position and our Tressway has been kind of a stalwart punter in that area and just keeping that. But what has me worried is that to kind of like keep that up and the sustainability and like really hammering out drives is to have a really well-balanced run game. And we didn't see that today. Our run game was getting blown up left and right. Gibson was getting caught in the backfield pretty much instantly. Yeah. And both the left side of the O-line was just kind of bad. Um, in that averaged, respect, in total, they averaged 2.2 yards a rush, and it would yeah. have been even worse without Gibson's 20-yard uh, carry. Although um, there were a lot like, of there were a lot of very short yardage situations where we got first downs, and Peyton Barber had two uh, red uh, two goal line touchdowns. So I would say the red or the rushing game was opportunistic, but it didn't carry the offense. Uh, yard wise as much as we would like it to it didn't really carry the game but in specific situations it did come through yeah and it wasn't that's what when you mentioned like two years ago with the alex smith kind of offense i remember the run game being a lot more of a factor like with adrian peterson just like running the helm and this one was like 
you know, we got to get a few yards. Like, I, I bet our run game can get it, but they're not going to get more yards than that. Like, yeah. and they, you can run them for red zone goals and stuff like that. And, like, maybe this is just like, oh, the Eagles defense is so good at, against the run. But, like, you know, it's just it's kind of like a little bit worrying because it's dependent on our O-line. Our O-line really won't improve anytime soon unless we start benching people um, and we don't have great replacements for them. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of... I kind of I kind of struggle with this because like I think that the run game has a lot of potential. I think Gibson has a lot of potential, but I also think that the O line is not doing the run game any favors. Um, I mean, you know, Garrett Christian today. I, I don't know about your alls. I, I didn't really get a good look at him because I was kind of trying to watch the game, trying to you know understand uh, where how some of the specific players are doing. And also, let's be honest, I was watching it on Renzote as well. So I was very focused on my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> how do you all feel that Garen Christian uh, did today? He let up a sack. Like it was pretty bad. Yeah. Instead, that was actually a sack. So that's, so that's and like, the, jump on the ball. so that's like, you know, OL not, you know, the offensive line's not doing the run game any favors. So, you know, at this point, you know, the line coach and Rivera and, you know, the offense, you know, Scott Turner have to really, really push the offensive line to play better. And, you know, if they continue going down this path, like it, the offense is just going to suffer and it's not going to be able to click the way it should. Um, but I do have, you know, one of the things that kind of leads up to going into the season, another factor is Rivera's cancer treatment. And that now today he had an IV at halftime, but like moving forward, as he continues to go further and further into his treatment, it's going to be harder and harder for him to perform the duties of a head coach. So whether the interim head coach is Jack Del Rio, whether the head coach is Scott Turner, you know, it'll be Jack. It'll be Jack. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. Yeah. Fine. So interim head coach Jack Del Rio, once Rivera has to step aside to, you know, finish his treatment in the best way possible, how do you, like, to me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. Because Del Rio as a head coach is, is kind of average. and I'm not worried about it. You don't think so? I am kind of worried about it because I don't know who's going to run the defense. And I don't really want him to head coach a team and run the defense at the same time. I'd rather I him think, just delegate. Yeah, well, yeah, I think uh, in the interviews, well, I watched the Jack Del Rio presser last week when uh, Rivera was out. And they basically asked him, "What you know? How do you handle being the head coach and the d- coordinator?" And he said that I would have to really delegate, um, you know, to the individual coaches, to the uh, what am I trying to say? To the to the different position coaches, the D line coach, and you know, the secondary coach. Um, so I, I'm not all that worried about it. I think Jack Del Rio is a very good defensive coordinator and he's got head coaching experience. And I think in any short term interim scenario, I'm just, I just don't worry about Jack Del Rio being the head coach. If it's a short period of time now, if it's like over an eight or 10 week period, that's a totally different story. When did, when, when did Rivera start his treatment? Uh, Wednesday, I believe. Okay, and how long is he? How long is it expected to be? So, Kaim I mean, mentioned. You, yeah, you, you never, you never know with those sort yeah. of treatments. Yeah, like, yeah you don't know how long you hope. Take. You hope it doesn't take long, but like cancer is obviously, you know, cancer. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, John. 
John Kime from ESPN mentioned that he's going to have five uh, treatments a week, uh, starting yeah. from Wednesday. So five treatments that's a definitely week, pretty much. Uh, so that's going to interfere with his coaching duties, uh, most likely. Yeah. Jack, Jack Del Rio is going to be called upon to be head coach, whether it be in game situation, actual on game day, or just in practice. Like he's going to have that job, yeah. quite a lot this year. Or, and luckily enough, Jack Del Rio, it's not like it's his first rodeo. Like he he has been there to not a lot of success, obviously, but he has like the Jaguars and the Raiders to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. bad, I don't think he's a yeah. bad head coach. I think we have a a very good defense that he can obviously yeah. rely on. And Scott Turner is the head of the offense. And I think, I, I think with what you miss with with Rivera being gone is the leadership more than anything. And that that's yeah. what's out of Rivera. But I think they can manage. You know, I, my hope is that Rivera is okay, and that's. You know that they have Especially like, to look forward to when when he I, comes back. I, yeah, a year like this where like you're probably not making the playoffs, you're probably not going to do a lot of damage um, for the Super Bowl. It's not the end of the world if Ron Rivera has to take a couple weeks off um, and yeah. just take care of his own health. Like, there, obviously, there's never a good time to you know have cancer, but if there was, like, this would be the the quote, end quote, good year to get it. Chris endorses you... cancer? What? <laughs> Lord 11. Lord 11. Um, okay, well, I got to be more worried yeah. if they were really making a playoff push and they were really, like, having some high expectations. But yeah. because the expectations this year are so low, I don't, I don't think it's the end of the world if if Jack Del Rio has to take over the hey, team man. for it. Hey man, hey man. Worst case, bro, one in fifteen, and get Trevor Lawrence next year. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like what I'm thinking is like even after this win, I'm still thinking four and twelve, and it's just one of the four wins they get. Yeah. It could be. Yeah, I mean, it could yeah. be. Like, but even if like four and twelve, we all kind of agree that like that's still a solid start. Like that's that's a solid step forward. Um. So I, I would be concerned again if they were one in fifteen, two and twelve. They don't get any more wins. But now, if a certain owner also sold the team, we could also move forward in terms of front office culture and you know general general movement away from toxicity. Um, but all right, so really quickly, just to kind of wrap things up, talking about the talking about football. Um, let's just do. I just want to do a quick preview for for next week. Uh, so they're playing the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, with the Cardinals, you got guys like Kyler Murray, who's an extremely fast quarterback. You got their new signing of DeAndre Hopkins, who is arguably the best receiver in the league, um, and an extremely, you know, tough offense to compete against. So, what does the Washington football team have to do, um, and what can we expect from that game? Real quick to recap how the Cardinals did, just because you know, sure, it's relevant. Yeah, they they ousted the the Forty ers today, twenty four to twenty, put up twenty four points against a very solid Forty ers defense. Yeah, it's a Super Bowl it's, Super Bowl uh, runner ups. I mean, you, if you beat them, yeah. that's 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 a that's really good. Um, but I'll I'll let I'll let Nick and uh, Rahul go into the the deep dive yeah. of what we can expect. I think you're looking at offensively probably a similar scenario. Um, I don't know if the Cardinals defense is all that good. 
I don't think Isaiah Simmons was much of a factor for the Cardinals from what I heard. Um, and I don't think their defense is when it when good, it when it came so. to I have I have the stats in front of me for the game when it came to rushing the rushing leader was Kyler Murray, um, ninety one yards rushing and one of those was a rushing touchdown. Um, Kenyon Drake was the next player up, um, sixty yards rushing and a touchdown. Um, so, and then just going off the passing alone, it's the it's it's the DeAndre Hopkins show. He had sixteen targets, fourteen receptions, one hundred fifty one yards. Like it's. Yeah. It's DeAndre Hopkins and then Larry Fitzgerald right after that. Um, none of the other guys even had any sort of factor in the game. I think we can. I think we can put up twenty four points at least against the Cardinals if we feel like playing similarly this week as or next week as we did today. It's really going to be a challenge for that def- for our defense up against a mobile quarterback. I mean, this is a true test to see exactly what kind of defense we have. Like you guys have mentioned before, I think that's really the key to this game is going to be, can you contain, contain Kyler Murray? And can you stop DeAndre uh, Hopkins? <laughs> well, if you can contain no, Kyler can't Murray, stop. Can you can't stop DeAndre Yeah, no, you can't. You can't. Yeah, no, you, can. you, could, you, could, you could really only contain DeAndre. It's like Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Well, if you, well, if you contain Kyler Murray, you stop DeAndre Hopkins by default. Um, I mean, I'm, well, I mean, even if DeAndre Hopkins shreds his 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 opponent uh, every time, if if yeah. Kyler Murray can't get the ball to him, then there's no point. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. Like, it, yeah, the the front seven is going to probably have to carry the the uh, secondary most this year, I'd say, except for Jimmy Moreland, of course, because he's the of goat. course, of course, Jimmy, Jimmy yeah, I. Actually, higher on the Cardinals' defense than Nick is. I think they have a lot of great pieces: uh, Buddha Baker, Chandler Jones, um, Campbell, True. and they've just had a like. It's taking a while because they've been so terrible. Um, once they got Kyler Murray and everything, but they've built up quite a front, and it's gonna like pass. It, like if you thought the run game was bad against the Eagles, like it's gonna be similarly terrible against the Cardinals. Like that's what I have a good feeling about and um versus trying to stop Kyler Murray and um DeAndre Hopkins you can't really stop DeAndre Hopkins as y'all mentioned um but I feel like sufficient edge pressure is good enough to get to Kyler Murray because I can't even like their O-line is still like Kyler Murray makes that O-line look a lot better than it should they it gave it's up a pretty sacks. terrible they gave yeah. up two sacks today not well, same as us, really. Well, um, you know, with 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 Kyler Murray being more mobile than most quarterbacks, you know, the line, while they obviously do have to provide a uh, good pass protection, Mar- Murray is more elusive and can try and get out of tough situations if the line breaks down. So that's so that's something you really have to look out for, and that's some and that's something that you know a guy like Chase Young is really really going to have to you know, take, you know, take notice and keep an eye on. And I mean, he's clearly extremely capable of doing that given his performance in today's game. But if he's going to be the general of the defense moving forward, then that's something that he's really got to work on to step up. Yeah. And like we've historically had issues with mobile quarterbacks. So it'll be kind of an interesting test to see how this newfound Del Rio defense goes against them. Uh, but I think it's a close matchup that we're gonna lose. Well, uh, I, I, well, even even if you even if the Washington Football Team doesn't pull out, the, I mean, like honestly, like I, I think the Cardinals are gonna win if they pull out. If the Washington Football Team pulls out the dub, I'll be very impressed. But 
if if the Washington football team can keep it to at most like a touchdown, like deficit, I think that is, I think I, yeah. I think that is progress. If they get blown out, then that's bad. But if they but if the final score is like, I don't know, twenty seven to twenty one or something, like that's 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 reasonable. Yeah, if they get blown out, you're looking back at the Eagles and they're like, "What the hell? Yeah, exactly. You guys, exactly. Like, you guys are and, really bottom and tier." At that point, you just blame it on it being a division matchup, and division matchups are weird. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think I think we've covered all we can cover, unless there's any additional thoughts you all have on the Washington football team. Um, I had like one, just like they kind of need to make a few personal change, uh, personnel changes. Uh, moving forward to meet the Cardinals, I thought Kevin Pierre-Lewis was kind of terrible um, in cover. He he was the one who linebacker who led up two touchdowns, mm-hmm. uh, one on a pick play, and the other he just fucked up. Um, and I I don't even know they probably start up Cleeky Hudson or some other rookie linebacker or maybe even Holcomb. I'm not sure who they would, but yeah, he's not been great. Um, other than that, just hope the O line perseveres and isn't terrible against. Chandler goddamn Jones. You know, Chandler Jones is uh, a monster. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to rip her on a new one. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that's for the best. All right. hey, well, any thoughts, last thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I would just say it was a great game. This is the first game in many years I feel like that I actually enjoyed watching them play and was like rooting for them. As sad as it sounds, just because last year, all the wins, I was just pissed off all year. I knew they sucked <laughs> as a team. And like two years ago, well, they had, yeah, they know, had no direction last yeah, year. Yeah, like two years life. ago when they were winning, like I, even then, I was like, this is short lived. And then it, mm-hmm. we bottomed out late in the year. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like this is kind of fun to be able to kind of enjoy the team and yeah. team win. I don't know if they're going to be any good this year, but yeah, you know, take it for what it was. It was a good performance, and yeah, I mean, yeah, to to go on that, yeah, it it felt like it wasn't just a win. It it felt like they're actually making some progress here. Like we've been we've been talking about wanting to see them make progress and take step forwards and change the culture for a pretty long time now, and now seeing them getting this W, it actually looks like that's uh might be coming to fruition. All right, guys. Well, I want to move away from uh, football now and get into baseball. Talk about our reigning defending world champion, Washington Nationals. Um, Just quickly gloss over the series. Uh, They had a series up against the Tampa Bay Rays where they won 2-0. You know, some good – there was some good pitching in that series from Max Scherzer, and we also saw some uh, good pitching from Anibal Sanchez as well, which was great to see. Um, This this, Honestly, this series – just pisses me off a little bit. <laughs> the Rays are one of the best teams in the American League. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got the ability to beat these teams consistently, but we've just been too inconsistent this year. Yeah. But, you know, it was a good series. It's kind of unfortunate that we're so deep into the season and it's kind of looking like we're not. I mean, more than that, we will not be in the playoffs this year. It's not mathematically fact yet, but well, it, I- it's – over for us and it just sucks to see that it seems like it it seems like we can beat everyone except our own division yeah we can in our division well at least you can look at the team and like quickly figure out what are the glaring points of inconsistency like Mm -hmm. it's like pretty well apparent about who's like terrible and really shouldn't be with the team any longer yeah i mean at this point it kind of 
is what it is. Um, yeah, they, there's yeah. not much else to say. Like they're they're not going to do anything this year. Um, yeah, hopefully they can make an off season acquisition or two. I really, honestly, at this point, I hope they don't make the playoffs. Um, just because I kind of know that they're not going to do anything in the playoffs, just because their team, unless they really like heat up all of a sudden, win like ten games in a row or some shit that like that. That would be absolutely um, insane. Um, They'd have to win it. out to go to the playoffs at this yeah. rate. But like even but like even even last season it took it took a couple months for, you know well, yeah. to, for this the team, team to get adjusted. And now with the with with a with a sixty game season as opposed to your traditional hundred and sixty two games, like all of a sudden that road to really get into the groove of things is now really shortened. And it's 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 not you, you, you can't you can't you can't catch fire as easily. Perhaps as as last year, if that makes sense. I mean, across the board, we've kind of touched on this previously, but across the board, they're kind of they're a ramp up team. Like Max Scherzer is a ramp up yeah. guy, not even just in season, but just in game specifically. He's a get into a groove guy. Um, Will Harris is the same way, who has been dog shit this year, unfortunately. <laughs> He's actually um, had a lot of ramp the same up. Way. Um, their bullpen's been struggling a lot this year. Uh, same with the starters. Uh, Aníbal is also a ramp-up guy. Howie's a ramp Like Eaton's a ramp-up. All these guys, that's why they were so bad at the beginning of the season and so good at the end because half this team is ramp-up, get-into-your-rhythm sort of guys, mm-hmm. and you, you can't do that in a yeah, 60 season. It's not, 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 not everyone on the team is, is, is Juan Soto. Where you can no, I disagree with Will Harris being a ramp up guy. He's been awful. Like he's been ramping down, not up. He had like a good oh. a few games, and now he's just been on the decline. Like every game that he's been in, he's at least let out like a run or two, and well, he's yeah. not. They're even limiting his pitches by a ton. Like he's barely so he pitching same, in two innings. He did the same shit last year. He was terrible the first half and good in the second half. That's what I mean by ramp up. Like he's bad in the first half. He was never. He hasn't ever been good this year. He's been staying stagnant at dog shit. Yeah, it's just like okay to bleh. Oh, well, not even okay. Just uh. yeah. I mean, th- this team's a one hundred sixty-two game se- team, not a sixty-game team. Yeah. What was not um like you know like when you go over teams and you're like oh this is something exciting kind of like the down points of the team was Austin Voth just being like a lot worse than expected. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Like, he, I don't think he had a, had a lot of hype coming in. He did. did he? Well, okay, hype, no. But he was he he was solid. he was pretty good until he got injured last year. Um, mm-hmm. and even his first start this year wasn't bad. But then he's just been pretty terrible ever since. I assume he will not be <laughs> a starter next year. I don't think he'll I would be, a be national. Pretty surprised if I, I I don't know what his contract is. Um. If he is still a national, they'll probably stick him in the pen. But I would be pretty surprised if they don't bring up young, one of their young arms next year, um, or just bring up Joe Ross, because we still got Jackson Rutledge waiting in the wings. They're not going to throw him in this year, obviously. But um, yeah, Romero yeah, I, is out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. Will Harris has kind of been a letdown. You know, Hudson's. Kind of declined a little bit too the last few weeks. Oh, he's been solid. He's been all right. His ERA is getting up there though. I think his ERA is at like seven on the year, and I'm like, that's not great. Um, 
but he's just, I mean, it's, it, it was really like two or three showings that were really bad that yeah. really probably uh, messed up his stats, but you know, that's, I mean, his whip's only 1.2. So yeah. like that, that's, that's a, that's a really good whip. That's actually, well, not as good as with just the Nats. Um, but when he was with the Blue Jays mm-hmm. last year, uh, that was, that's actually even better than that. So I, I think like he kind of just got unlucky for a couple of those outings. But like having yeah, a 1.2 whip is that's what we expect out of a out of Daniel Hudson. Um, yeah. That's pretty much as good as you're gonna get with him. His ERA is kind of inflated, unfortunately. But yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, yeah, there is think, there is uh, one guy we can rely on always. Um, and that is, that is true. And I think you know that what is, we're talking about. Uh, and he's the re- he's he's the reason Hall of he's the reason he's the reason that we won against uh, we won a game in the Brave series. And I'm talking, of course, about the undisputed goat. Oh God, not this. Michael A. Taylor, who had when a- I saw oh yeah when I saw him hit that hit that fucking <laughs> home run. I texted the group chat. I was like, I am not going to hear the end of this. No, you won't. During the podcast, it was a beautiful are. moment. Beautiful walk-off single. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was, it was, I, I cried a little bit. I was just I, like, I, I can't I, believe he's getting wasted on this terrible season. I, yeah, with his, you know, with his 211 batting <laughs> average, his 243 on base, and his 451 slugging. Yeah, he's it, he's just cool. you're, you're you're looking you're, you're you're looking too much into the analytics of this. You, you his you, OPS of 694. You can you can you can look at the analytics with other players. With Michael A. Taylor, you don't look at the analytics. You look at them. You look at his depth of character. You look into his ball. <laughs> Next, I'm gonna hear he has a lot of heart. He has a negative war. Get this shit out of my face. Negative <laughs> point greatest, Do you want me to go on with your stats? He's the nicest man in Major League Baseball history. He is the David Johnson of the MLB. <laughs> That's right. He's so nice. And I also love that I said that because our listeners have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that. Because no, oh, like Dixon's yeah. running back, David Johnson? Question mark. We've actually talked about that inside joke on the podcast. Oh, have we? Well, oh. yeah, it was like the sixth episode. Oh, well, if well for you loyal oh, listeners, good. I hope that was a good payoff of continuity. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> just listening, it's like, what are they going to make the reference? <laughs> exactly. Um, but it kind of going off of what you said, Chris, I, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Like, like I, you know, unless they really really catch fire, like the season's done. But it's a good lesson in that now you know how the team is going to function without. Now you know how the team functions without Anthony Rendon. Now you know how you know certain guys in your bullpen have performed and who needs to you know who needs to leave versus who they need where their pressure points are and who they need to sign. And I'm 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 very optimistic about the off season for the Nats and you know picking up guys that. Uh, are able to make a uh, a difference in the lineup, whether it be uh, through the bats or whether it be in the bullpen. And I'm optimistic that uh, they'll be able to come back. Hopefully next season is, you know, a full season with fans and we don't run through this type of season again and they'll be able to really crush it. Yeah. 
Plus, you know, we plus you know we have to we we, we have to boo the Astros at Nats Park. Like I, I like you you know this. My plan was to bring a makeshift trash can and a bat into this into Nats Park and just start banging it every time Jose Altuve went up to the plate. Like that was my. They uh they were in L A this week. They were in L A uh, this week. Did you did you see did you see the Joe Kelly mural? Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and then I saw uh, they had a banner about them cheating that flew over. You love it. Um, the stadium. You love to see it. Yeah, and then they also what did what do they play? Some what's the song? Oh, I know what song you're talking about. Yeah, they. I do too. Yeah, it's. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? Oh, wait, didn't they also play? I saw the sign. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. I they saw also that. played "Bang Bang" by Ariana Grande. Uh, and yeah. you so, love these efforts. Yeah. You love these efforts of trolling. Um, all right, well, and it really would have stopped if they fucking punished the players. <laughs> if like they didn't, is... they just let them go. I, I, think it's, I think it's. I think. I think it's like no to like, this point. This isn't the fans doing this either. This is actually the team putting on these songs. Yeah, this like, isn't fans trolling. But it's not just drunk fans being assholes. No, it's it's the team. Yeah, yeah, because they're understandably pissed about all yeah. of this shit. I mean, happening. I would too. Like, if 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 it had if the Nats ended up losing this World Series, and like months and months later, we hear like part of the reason they lost is because they didn't get a fair chance. Like, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed too. For sure, and I mean, I mean, yeah, and like in like considering everything, this is pretty innocuous. What's being done to the Astros, like it's not really not much, but you can see it's having a clear impact on their batting lineups, especially Altuve, who we've been seeing struggling on and off. The thing is, is that like I, I know I make the joke about Altuve, but I'll, but I mean, compared to compared to like Bregman or compared to like Correa, Altuve is like not even the the worst of yeah. it. He's he's, 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 he's he is he he is complicit, yes, and he deserves to have shit thrown his way. But in terms of how like the Astros reacted post this news breaking, like Bregman and Correa were so condescending about it. Whereas Altuve was, you know, he 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 felt more sincere in his in his kind of press con in his kind of like reaction. In terms of complicity, he was definitely more complicit uh, with those actions than, let's say, our pitcher Will Harris. Because I mean, what could Will well, Harris yeah, do? About yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying Altuve should go out scot free, but I'm just saying that like the way that Astro players reacted to it, it definitely was more dickish coming from Correa and Bregman than it was from Altuve. You know, yeah. a high character player. Needs to Green move hat. to the Astros, like Michael A. Taylor, yeah. and just reform the team. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to see Michael A. Taylor associated with those cheaters. Come on, bro. Um, yeah, he would ride the bench over there too because he's trash. Chris, I'd rather he sign a twenty-year. They would bang on him. He, you, you have to understand, bro. Scott Boris is gonna walk to Michael A. Taylor's apartment, and he's going to beg him to be a client because so he can make big money off of it. You just, you wait. Um. All right. Well, one thing <laughs> extensions is they are still working on the Davy Martinez extension. Yeah. Um. Apparently, Rizzo discussed it with uh, Davy's agent. Oh. Uh, earlier today. Oof. 
Oh, oh, dis- I was oh, disgusted. It. I thought you said he was disgusted with his age. No, no, I was like, no, oh my no. goodness. <laughs> not good. no, all, all of these points to, like, they want to get a multi year done and not just pick up his, his option. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I, I mean, which I think want that. I think Davey likes it a lot here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think obviously Rizzo likes having him around. For sure, for sure. All right. How much do they make, though, like off a multi year option for. I, I, I don't really know manager salaries at all. Uh, I think Davey's making probably about a million a year right now on his first deal, but on an extension, he'll make more. About about Dave, about a million a year. I'm looking up Dave Roberts, who is probably a pretty um, equal. Who who's who's the highest paid uh, manager in the MLB? Is it? Um, I would assume the Yankees manager. You think you think, it's, it. you think it's Aaron Boone? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was. I thought it was Joe Madden. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm looking at this actually right now. Yeah, it is Joe Madden. Well, he's tied. Brew Brochi and Mike Scioza. I think that's how you say his name. Mm. Say Joe know. Madden makes six million. Brochi is retired. Yeah, no, th- th- those are oh, those I'm are, looking at an old. Those player. are those are highest paid all time. Joe Madden. No, that was highest paid for 2018. Oh, 2018. So Dave Roberts, which is a kind of a benchmark, I'd say for Davey. Um, or. Okay, AJ Hinch had a four before. Obviously, he got fired. It was a four-year, twelve million dollar deal. Oh wow! Wow, three million. So I would say, I would say at least ten million for Davey on the extension. Yeah, at least. So I would imagine four four years, like ten to twelve mil. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Well, hopefully they work that out and the Nats can get it together, or if not, really make a good offseason out of it. All right. Just to kind of wrap things up, guys, we'll just quickly talk about hockey. Uh, we're just still, they're still, they've narrowed down the coaching candidates to about three, according to some insiders. Um, the biggest one will be Mike Babcock in terms of costing the most because he still has $17 million remaining on the current contract. Um, what do you guys think? Do you, who do you think is going to be? Uh, do you guys have any idea? Do you think it's still kind of up in the air? What do you all think? So the three are, um, just in case for our listeners, are Mike Babcock, Peter Laviolette, and Gerard Gallant. Um, and uh, we kind of explained which camp we are in and who we want to sign. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, Babcock just cover- costing the most will probably be the least likely. Um, because it'll... Yeah, m- maybe. But I think it's kind of up in the air right now. I, I don't see a... Like, I'm hearing that Babcock has been the front runner. But I think they could really hire yeah, anybody at this point. I'm, I think that all three of these guys find the Capitals' job appealing, since the team is good and they have a lot of pieces and there is a lot of potential there. Um, and DC is a not not the worst place to live. No. <laughs> um, Would it be so wrong I, to ask the players on who, which coach they'd want the most? Yes. I, mean, opinion, yeah. I don't think so. Like, no. Like see, getting player opinion, like I, I, I would imagine they went with Todd Reardon though because the players. Uh, like him. That was a big reason well, why. Yeah, but I mean, I, I imagine they still ask the players like whether or not they, like they can use that whatever. But I imagine that they're still like asking the players what they think. Yeah, um, it's hard. It's because like it's like asking, do you want to, do you want to make a decision on who your boss is? Sort yeah, of. but like yeah, but like if I'm a person and. If I'm a player and they ask me that, like, sure, I'll give them my opinion, but I'm not expecting it to hold a lot of weight because it's still going to be their decision. Mm. Um, and if it's somebody else, like, I'm not going to be mad about it. 
So I, think- I imagine, especially like the guys like Ovi, um, like the captains, I imagine they ask the captains uh, kind of what they think. Whether, like I said, whether or not they use that information, like that's up to them. But do you think Capitals players are like keeping track of it? Like, oh, I, like I want to know who's going to be the coach. Hmm. I really doubt it. Back. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I, I'm sure they're just waiting until there's an actual announcement because one, it's the off season. They're probably just trying to enjoy their time with their families and whatnot. Um, and two, like. What, what does it matter if you follow it? Like you hear when you hear, it's not like you can make a lot of difference for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But like, I was thinking like some of their careers could depend on which coaches are hired. Like kind of like what their playing styles would want and who they Maybe. want to retain. But like even then, you don't really know what's going to happen. So yeah. you may as well it, like live without that yeah. without that weighing on your mind. Just enjoy your yeah. time. There's no reason in stressing about it. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. So might as well think about other things. Think about your wife and kids that you haven't seen for a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything yeah. else regarding hockey? Bro? I think we're good. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the DC sports brand trust. My name is Vern. I've been your host and moderator joined as always by three of the best damn sports analysts around Chris, Nick and Rahul. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We'll have the links to those uh, social media accounts in the description of the episode. Um, continue supporting DC sports. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope to see you all next week.